0: Welcome back to Basic Bible 101. I just want to take this time to say thank you to those of you who have stuck with this. I realize the last podcast was back in January, and that's an unacceptably long time to have to wait when you're excited about studying the Word of God and getting a comprehensive view of the Bible. This class was originally intended to be completed in a year, and once we get all the podcasts done, I suppose that'll be the case for the people who just start uh, watching or listening to it in the near future. But for those of you who have been so patiently waiting, I, I want to apologize and let you know that our family has had a bit of a rough go. My father-in-law had come down with brain cancer, and so we had been taking care of him for the last little while, and uh, he passed away last week. So. But we know he's with the Lord, and so we praise the Lord for that, and we are, uh, we're we're going to miss him. But, you know, that is the beauty of being a believer, is that we can trust the Lord with our loved ones and know that we will see them again. So I want to take just a minute and recap where we've been with Basic Bible. As you know, when we came up through the beginning, um, how God created the heavens and the earth, and we talked about the beauty in his creation and how Everything he did was good until it came to man being alone. And we talked about how, when he made woman, he brought them brought her to man and created the first family, and how important it is for us to live in a family, um, either through your small group, if you're a single, I know that you may feel like your family's far away, but you can get into a family with other believers right where you are. There's very few places where there aren't other believers who, even if it's the kind of online, uh, relationship where you can check in with each other uh, blogs or whatever. Secondly, we had learned about Adam and Eve's sin and how this, the serpent tricked them. Satan had convinced uh, Eve to take a bite of the tree, the fruit from the tree of good and evil, and when she did that, uh, all mankind uh, suffered the fate of understanding good and evil and actually participating in evil and so we are a fallen generation from then on uh, fallen people and so we talked at that time about the ramifications of being born into a world of sin into a broken world and all of creation we know even now groans with uh, the fact that it's temporary and uh, all plants die all animals die all people die and so we know that there, that was not God's original plan, that he had created a world perfect in every way, but that sin came in and, and stopped that process. And then we learned that the consequence of sin was that mankind just got worse and worse. And so it came to a time when we uh, realized that uh, God had asked Noah to build an ark because he was going to wipe out All of the people that had been born uh, up until that time. And so we had a lesson on Noah and the ark and the animals. And uh, I would encourage you, if you can't remember that, to go back and listen to it again or reread this scripture. Uh, It's back in Genesis 7 through 9. Then we covered the story of Abraham and the father of the Israel nation, and how in the beginning God had called him out to a new place and a land that would be. Uh, a land that he would give him that would be his very own. And so at Abraham obeyed God and followed his heart out to a new place, the land of Canaan. Uh, during this time, God had promised him he'd have many children, but his wife Sarah was very old, and they did not have a child for many, many years. Uh, and because of that, he decided to work around it and, mar- and uh, sleep with his wife wife's uh, maid and they ended up with Ishmael and this was not the son of promise and God said that's not what I intended I'm going to do a miracle here but uh, so there was problems between Ishmael and the eventual son of the promise Isaac eventually God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac uh, intending to test him to see if he really was sincere in his faith and Abraham was sincere, but at the last minute an angel stopped him and he did not end up having to sacrifice his son. Okay, after that we covered Isaac's two boys, Jacob and Esau, the twins. They fought terribly because of the family prejudice that uh, the partiality that was shown. Uh, the mother, greatly, Rebecca greatly preferred Jacob, while Isaac greatly preferred Esau. And so because of the strife, and we all know, probably if you've not experienced it you've seen it, the problem with uh, parents preferring one child over another. And so we we covered a little bit about family dysfunctions in that um, session. And then we find out that Jacob will be the son of promise. And as it turns out, Jacob has 12 sons. They become the, the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. So when you hear of the 12 tribes, which we will talk about many times, they are the sons of Jacob. And of course, God changes his name to Israel. So that's why they're considered the sons of Israel. Okay, one of these sons, Joseph, becomes, who is one of the younger ones, is a very special child, and God uh, sends him to uh, through a series of challenges, everything from being kidnapped by his brothers and sold into slavery to being in prison, accused falsely of trying to attack his master's uh, wife, and that was not true, but um, he ended up in prison, and yet God exalted him until he was one of the advisors to Pharaoh, and, be, and uh, Joseph became very well known throughout Egypt and was able to actually help his entire family. Uh, Jacob, uh, son, Jacob's son, uh, had two sons who were his favorites and they were uh, Joseph and Benjamin and so we see that when Joseph went off to Egypt uh, the father thought that he had been killed and by an animal and yet God actually was using that in the lives of his brothers and uh, in the, what would eventually protect the Israel nation from being wiped out by famine and so when we refer to Joseph in the coat of many colors that's the story All right, that pretty well wrapped up the book of Genesis, and then we got into the story of Moses and how God provided a deliverer for the people of Israel. They stayed a little too long in Egypt, if you recall, about 400 years too long. And during this time, they were enslaved by the Pharaoh and uh, needed a redeemer, someone who could uh, deliver them from their bondage. And God called forth Moses to be that person. As you recall, Moses was just the son of some slave Israelite slaves, and yet God caused him to be adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, actually saving him from certain death. And Moses grew up, and when he, as an adult, decided that all the um, all the slavery was wrong, and accidentally not accidentally, but he killed one of the taskmasters uh, over the Israelite slaves, and was exiled. And so he actually. Roamed in the desert for 40 years before coming. God called him to come back and deliver his people. Remember, we talked about the story about the burning bush, which was in there, and then God used the many plagues to deliver the people of Israel by um, hardening Pharaoh's heart each time Pharaoh would say, Okay, they can go. I will release them and then at the last minute would change his mind and so God would cause another plague upon the people of Egypt, which eventually meant that um, pretty well they were wiped out. The, first, the last plague being the plague of the firstborn where all the firstborn children, cows, whatever, uh, died the night of the Passover. In fact, when we left off at our last lesson, the Israelites had just finally been released from Pharaoh's uh, control and had uh, escaped uh, heading towards the wilderness and in the process were backed up against the sea and he, once again Pharaoh had changed his mind and was going to go after them and because he tried this God opened the Seas the Red Sea and they were able to cross on dry land but when the Egyptian army tried to cross the Red Sea they were of course destroyed so it left Egypt in a very bad state and it provided protection for Israel and of course fame grew throughout the the area all the surrounding nations knew to be a little bit afraid of Israel because obviously they had conquered the most prestigious and most powerful nation on earth at that time okay so we're going to pick up today in Exodus Uh, chapter 16, we are going to start talking about what happened to the people of Israel once they finally were free. This is a very interesting lesson because you would think that they were so grateful to God and they worshipped and just uh, followed Moses because they totally trusted him and we find that that's not the case at all. In fact, in no time they begin grumbling because they don't have The same kind of food they had in Egypt. They can't find water. And God is always providing for them, and yet they grumble. Uh, Turn to Exodus 16, verses 2 through 5. We're going to read this part right in here. It says, In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. And on the sixth day they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on all the other days. Okay, you may be wondering, Why is it that these people would complain when they're free now? They can do whatever they want. But, you know, it it does seem to me that as believers, actually it's human nature, I think, that when we get into a time of difficulty, we want to blame God for the problem. We want to say, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you doing this to me? And I think it's easy to look back at our hostage days, our days when before we were a believer, and say, oh, it was better then, even when we know that it wasn't better then. And I look at this as sort of selective memory. We only want to remember certain things about our past and forget the troubles. And because of that, past problems seem so small compared to the current problems, and yet when we were going through those problems, they were huge. So we see that God has said to his people, okay, I'm going to provide you with food. I'm going to send this... Food out into the fields, and each morning you can go and gather it. It will be a type of bread. This bread, these um, what I call frosted flakes, <laughs> flakes of grain that littered the landscape, they were able to go and gather up and they could cook it, they could boil it. It's kind of interesting what this manna must have been like, but they enjoyed the taste of it. It almost had a sweet taste to it. And before long, people were saying, oh, wow, we can just get a whole bunch of this and save it. They didn't really trust God would provide it every day. So those that gathered too much and tried to save it to the next day, when they went got up in the next morning to see, you know, maybe to eat some of that that they had gathered the day before, it was all wormy and, and no good anymore. And so obviously God was saying that each day He wanted them to be dependent on Him for their daily bread, that it wasn't something that they could... Uh, store up but it was something that he would provide um, as they needed it and I think that's a great lesson on how God is we tend to want to store up all of his good things just in case he forgets about us but the truth is that God doesn't forget about us that his mercies are new every morning that he is a faithful provider and so this is some of the things that God is teaching the Israelites. But it isn't very long before they start complaining. Well, you know, we have all this bread, but we're sick of bread. We want some meat. Look down in verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumblings of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. Then the Israelites saw it, and they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Okay, so this is kind of talking about how God provided them with quail as well, meat and the bread. This is the food that the Israelites will live off of for the next 40 years. Now at this time they didn't know they were going to be living off this for 40 years. In fact, they thought it was really not going to take them that long to get to the land that had been their forefathers, the land of Canaan. So on the way back, they're kind of taking a roundabout path through the desert and Moses takes leads them to Mount Sinai. And he says, here we are going to stop and listen to the Lord. Now it's quite a, a challenge for Moses to be leading all of these people because really at this point they have no government they have no law they are uh, pretty much depending on Moses for everything and that becomes a great burden to him and so his father-in-law comes to visit him and says you know what you need you need some judges you need some people who will determine some of the disputes for you so that you don't have to just hear the problems and complaints of the people all day long. And so set over each group of 50 people a judge. And so that's what Moses does. And he begins to set up a government where people can bring their concerns to the judge and be heard. When they finally get back to Mount Sinai, where, if you recall, at the beginning was the place where God first revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush and when they return finally to there to this place god calls moses to come up to the mountain that he is going to speak to him so the people say okay go go moses you go and we will uh, stay down here and and support you back here so sure enough god calls uh moses and actually he has tells him to bring aaron with him aaron only goes part way up the mountain and when they get to the top when moses gets to the top the lord speaks to him In chapter 20 of Exodus, we see the words that God spoke to Moses. We refer to these words as the Ten Commandments. These are the one of the basis for much of our law, much of the Judeo-Christian law as we know it, and it is the law that directs the Israelites for the rest of the Old Testament. At least that's the way God intended it. Unfortunately, the Israelites don't follow the law very well and they continue to slip away from it uh, many times as we'll see but in the beginning uh, when Moses first hears the law it really seems pretty simple let's read them together Exodus 20 it says and God spoke all these words I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery you shall have no other gods before me so the very first commandment is i'm i'm first i am the god the only god you put me first then he says you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or in earth beneath or in the waters below you shall not bow down to them or worship them for i am the lord your god i the lord your god am jealous god punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Okay, so the second part of this law is don't make anything and bow down to it that you think is a god. Now, in our modern Western society, we would consider it preposterous to bow down and worship something we had created. Uh, If we had carved out an image and then began worshiping it, we would know that it was just carved out clay or wood or whatever it was formed metal whatever we would know that there is nothing special about that uh, item except what we project onto it but the israelites at that time because they were around so many other nations that had such superstitions and strange beliefs it became easy for them to adopt the idolatry practices of some of the other nations And so many times throughout the rest of the Old Testament, we will see that they disobey this commandment that God had given them very clearly at the beginning, that they were not to create or bow down to any graven image. In verse 7, he says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guileless who misuses His name. All right, today we might say, okay, taking the Lord's name in vain, swearing uh the goddamn tendency that people have to um, use God as a uh, hammer to beat up on other people. You know, many times people say those words and they don't even realize what they're saying. And yet, as Christians, we cringe because we do know what they're saying, and we know that they're misusing the name of our God. So it gets to be kind of tough for Christians in a non-Christian world, because we do understand these laws, and yet so much of our society rejects them and does not uh, uphold them at all okay chapter or verse 8 says remember the sabbath day by keeping it holy six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is the sabbath to the lord your god this is an interesting commandment because we think we keep it when we really don't Uh, the sabbath is one day each week that is consecrated for rest. If you remember when God created the world, on the seventh day, he rested. And so it became very important at that time that God set the precedence. Did God need to rest? Well, no, he's all-powerful. He could have kept right on creating or doing any number of things that God wants to do. But we, as humans, were given the example that once, one day out of seven needs to be a day of rest. The problem we have with this is that in our society, every day is crammed full. Those of us that work Monday through Friday know that we have Saturday to do household chores, to go to the grocery store, to get laundry done, to run errands, to do pretty much everything that we can't get done during the week. And so Saturday and Sunday become filled with all of the things that are uh, fill up our life that are the... Uh, demands of our modern society. Now you would say, oh, well, it was different then. All they had to do was, you know, go out and pick up some grains of flakes and and then they could rest the rest of the day. But you know what? I have a feeling society was just as difficult for the Israelites as it is for us today. So we really do not have the excuse of not celebrating the Sabbath. And I think it's important for us to get back to that. I realize that different people have different impressions of how you should spend this Sabbath day. It should, Whether it should be a day of prayer and meditation or a day of out at the lake or just uh, relaxing in your backyard. What, Whatever is relaxing to you and truly restful, I think that is the key to spending the Sabbath as a day that's set apart. And remembering that the reason that you're relaxing and enjoying the day is because God has provided so many good things for you. Okay, Uh, so we talked about the remembering the Sabbath and keep it holy. The next one in verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Um, Honoring your mother and father takes many uh, different forms as well. It doesn't necessarily mean obeying everything they say because when you become an adult, you move away from being under your parents' authority. Ideally, you are part of a body of Christ wherever you live, and that would include uh, elders, pastors, deacons, uh, Sunday school teachers, whoever it is that that is somewhat responsible for um, teaching you and helping, encouraging you in the word and in staying on the straight and narrow. And so... Obeying your parents is different from honoring them. I think honoring them has to do with being respectful, with taking care of them when they are in need, with um, showing them respect in public. You know, when my kids were little, I always wanted them to be able to express their feelings about things because I didn't want them to bottle up stuff inside. And yet, at the same time, I didn't like the idea of back talk, where they were just saying, but mom, and and complaining about stuff that I was requiring them to do or uh, refusing to buy them or what have you. And so we developed a little um, tactic that we would use when we were out in public so that they could say whatever they wanted to me as long as they prefaced, prefaced it with, with all due respect, mom, blah 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 so they could say with all due respect mom I think you're being very unfair or uh, with all due respect mom I think that's just terrible of you to be blah 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 really anything they said as long as they said first with all due respect was okay with me because I understood that they understood that there was a respect owed to me and yet they had they wanted to be able to express their feelings So honoring your parents can take many different forms, and I want to encourage you to think about that and put it into practice. All right, um, the next one, you shall not murder. Okay, what is murder? Well, pretty easy, I guess. It means you didn't kill anybody. But Jesus will eventually tell us that it's not just murder that we should be concerned about. It's hatred in our heart. So there's some different ways you could apply this uh, commandment as well. The next one, you shall not commit adultery. Well, what is committing adultery? Jesus would say in the New Testament, just thinking upon a woman with lust is adultery. So wandering eyes, um, spending too much time glancing at your neighbor's wife or husband, or um, pornography, there's a lot of different places where men can be and women can be adulterous and so you need to guard your mind and your heart as well as just the actions that you take Um, you shall not steal that's one of the commandments and stealing gee all of us would know okay i just don't steal anything from my neighbor or from the store but how many times are we tempted to steal from our employer steal time that we don't really work or steal uh, pens, paper, <laughs> steal um, hours that we wrote down on the uh, time card that we really didn't work. So think very long and hard about what it is you may be stealing because not only are you stealing from whoever it is that you are, are drawing from, but you're also stealing from God and He knows that. Okay, the next one. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. That's basically lying um, getting somebody else in trouble framing someone. Um, I would go so far as to extend it to say anytime you speak disrespectfully of someone in any way, and that can be very difficult to avoid, uh, in some ways you are giving a false uh testimony. Now, if it's the truth, uh, then you would have to say, well, it wasn't a false testimony, but it still may not be something that would honor God. And so we need to think long and hard about the words we say and the actions we take against our fellow man. Okay. And then the last uh, law commandment that we're going to talk about today is you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or manservant or maidservant or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And for us today, that's a pretty easy one because we are always wanting what someone else has. And so God says, you do not need to covet or, or desire the things that I have blessed someone else with. Because what I've given you, you should be satisfied with and uh, should be sufficient. That our sufficiency and our uh, desire and our delight should come from the Lord and all that he has blessed us with. All right, I'm going to stop there today because we have already gone on quite long because of my recap at the beginning, and so I just want to point out one other thing that when Moses gets down from the mountain and God has given him all these laws and and he's quite excited to share them with the people, he hears clamoring down in the camp, and when he gets there, he sees that Aaron has taken the golden earrings and and quite a few of the things that the um, that they brought from Egypt and has formed a golden calf and the people are throwing a big party and they are bowing down and worshiping the golden calf. And so this this really is the uh literally when the people broke the law because Moses just took the 10 commandments and threw them down and they they shattered. And so it's at that point that God really is about ready to give up on the people and and pretty much says to Moses, I think I'll just make you a great nation because these people, they're just really not worth it after all I've done. Look at this. And yet we see Moses stands in the gap and and persuades God not to destroy them. He becomes their intercessor, the one pleading for them, much like a lawyer would represent us uh, in a trial before a judge. And so God relents, and yet he says the guilty cannot go unpunished. And so Moses requires that those who are standing with the Lord uh, take a sword and go through the camp and um, basically kill the ones who had left the Lord and had been rebellious against the Lord. And so at this point, God is saying, Okay, leave this place. Uh, I'm going to have to punish their sin. And so he struck the people with a plague, And uh, because of what they did with the calf that Aaron had made. Now you're probably thinking, why did Aaron make this anyway? He's Moses' brother. He should have been standing firm. And apparently, from what we read in scripture, the people persuaded Aaron to, to do this and really forced his hand. And so, because he was a metal worker. Okay, uh, we're going to leave it there for now. There is um, The rest of uh, Exodus has a few other interesting stories, so if you have a chance to read them, that would be great. Uh, But we are going to move next week into the story of Numbers, the time uh, that the people spend wandering in the wilderness, and actually why they end up spending 40 years in the wilderness, because to this point, God has intended to take them straight into the land he promised them. All right, um, we see one other thing that um, when Moses goes, they they built this tent that where Moses goes, uh, as they move through the wilderness, when Moses is going to meet with God, he goes into this tent, and when he comes out, his face is just shining bright, and it is an example of how God's uh, glory can impact us, and then we can reflect that light to the rest of the world. But uh, the people, uh, Aaron and, and Moses, were so afraid that as that glory faded, that the people would see it, that instead they would put a veil over Moses' face so the people would never know when that glory had uh, withdrawn from him. And I think that's very interesting that um, how can we keep the glory of the Lord showing through our lives? And I think that's by staying close to the Lord and and because of that we'll be able to reflect His glory. We're going to talk more about that in some future lessons, but for now I want you to remember that little fact. Okay, today we've seen how God provides for His people. He gave them food, water, a form of government, victory in battle, laws to protect them, But like the Israelites, we reject God, we break the Ten Commandments, and we pay the price for disobedience. And just like Moses, we can come before God, ask forgiveness, and once again, live in His presence. Thank you for sticking with me on this. And I want to encourage you to go ahead and begin reading Numbers, the book of Numbers. I know you're probably thinking, Numbers, oh, this is going to be so boring, but it's really not. It's a very interesting book. There's a lot of neat little stories in the process. And for next week, we are going to focus on one of those stories, which is in Numbers 13 and 14, which talks about a donkey that can speak. That can speak our language so that should be pretty interesting okay key points to remember it's easy to grumble against god and to think that the old times were better but god is faithful and he is bringing us to the place he wants us that god gave the law to protect us but we were unable to obey that law and that was our need for a savior and finally that god forgives us and wants to be with us his presence in our lives is obvious and shines to the rest of the world okay thank you so much for Uh, sticking with this and I want to encourage you to once again uh, watch for the next uh, podcast. Hopefully it won't be that long in coming. God bless.